work as um, our, our college ministry intern. Um, and basically what I do is I work with the, the college students here in Shoreline and, and in CME to try to build up our college students to learn how to just live life. Um, some lessons that I've learned, a lot of mistakes that I've made um, so that they don't make the same mistakes that I did. Amen. Um, and like he said, we just got back, me and Rebecca um, from Shoreline just got back from a, a, a retreat or conference, I guess you could call it, out in Texas, which mind you, my gratitude for California grew about a hundred time fold than I had before. I felt like there was a blanket that was smothering me everywhere I went. Oh my gosh, it is so hot, it is unbelievable. It's like 80% to 90% humidity every day. Oh. Um, so it was, it was awesome. I had a spectacular time there. I think I, I learned a lot of lessons, um, things about myself that I hadn't known. Um, things that I personally needed to hear on how to um, do ministry, how to lead people, and how to be able to walk with them in a way that Jesus did. Um, and I think one aspect of what Jesus did was he rose people up and called them to, to be more than what they think they are. Um, Jesus is uh, incredible at allowing us to see further of our potential than we could even imagine. Um, I think we're all here in some part um, way, shape, or form to see that. We see that in Jesus because he gives us this aspiration for higher. And because of that, we came and we decided to follow him. Um, and we decided to see what could happen. Um, and so we're going to start off in James chapter 5. And then from there, we're going to be in Kings. But um, we're going to go to James chapter 5 and verse 17. Um, and it's awesome because I think the, one of the last lessons that we heard there. Uh, so while we were there at the conference, there was two conferences happening, actually. There was the ICLC, which is the International Campus Leadership Conference, as well as this other one. I think it was called Inspire. Um, and that was basically like a Texas conference. So people from all over Texas were all there. And so the last day, we combined them, and we had a huge like stadium-sized room full of just people that were trying to follow God, of Christians who were trying to learn more, had this incredible worship, um, worship concert to be able to praise God in this lesson that talked about um, God and Elijah. And I'm going to share some, some, some aspects of that lesson with things that I, I kind of gleaned away from it. Um, and so James chapter 5 and verse 17, oh, I'm already there. Uh, it, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Um, and so to begin with, the, the reason that I share this is because the first thing it says is Elijah was a human being. And that's all what we all are. Elijah was a man with a nature that we have. Elijah was just like us, where he struggled to try to pursue God and try to understand who God was and try to, to lean closer into who God is. And because of that, there were some incredible things that happened. Um, after this, we're not going to read it right now, but we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, he saw some incredible things that could happen, but he only saw that because he was earnestly seeking and living for Christ. He saw that because of his pursuit for God and his life. 
And so one of the first things that I want to I kick it off by asking is, today, what is stopping you from living the life that God intended for you? I think that that's something that I had to reflect on myself a lot during the conference, because we had, um, if you were at midweek, I kind of explained a little further, but I'll, I'll, I'll kind of recap. We had think tanks in the beginning where we discussed where the church is going, things that we want to change, things that we're trying to do, um, the culture within the church and how we want to navigate that, as well as um, discussing um, being able to just bond with leadership all over um, L.A. County, as well as Ventura and Albany Slow. And um, we even had some people, I think, oh, yeah, from Fresno. Um, And it was incredible. It was an awesome time. But I think unanimously, we all saw that um, we needed to lean further on Christ. We needed to, as a church, as a movement, to lean more on who God is and allow God to spur us on and not our own strength to spur us on. And at times, I think that's where we can live. We can live in this idea of relying on our own strength, on our own abilities, on our own wisdom, as opposed to the wisdom and spirit of our powerful Father in heaven. And so in um, 1 Kings chapter chapter 19, um, right before this, Elijah had had basically expelled all the, killed all the the prophets that were following Baal. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the scene, but they, they were on top of, I think it was Mount Carmel, and they were in a battle between Baal as the God and saying, Baal is, is more powerful than your God to Elijah, that is. And Elijah's like, okay, if that's true, make a fire right here. Bless you. Uh, make a fire right here. Call on your God right now. And so Elijah basically makes a fool of them. He makes a fool of them, telling them, where is your God? Because every time they would plead and pray, all the sacrifice, everything that they would do, and they were going ham, everything that they would do, nothing happened. And so when it came for Elijah's turn, all he did was pray, and there was rain. Because God listens to us. God leans in when we lean into him. He is always present. And... <clears throat> One aspect that I, I, I absolutely adore, um, if we want to read uh, chapter 19 and verse 13, it says, When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And right here we see Elijah, after this incredible feat where he prayed, and he saw such incredible things from God. It was unbelievable. Could you imagine being able to pray, God, give me a thunderstorm right now, and our entire skies come through, and thunder is everywhere. Can you imagine seeing that kind of a miracle? What that would look like, how you would feel. Personally, I would feel like Thanos, being able to just move things at my will. I'd be like, wow, this is some immense power that I have. Nothing can stop me. But then Elijah is struck with fear because earlier in that same chapter, Jezebel was like, hey, we're going to kill you. I don't care what repercussions come to me. You are dead. And so we see that Elijah was discouraged. 
We see that Elijah was afraid. We see his emotions because he was so afraid that he literally ran for 40 days and 40 nights to flee away from Jezebel. That is some fear. My mom always made me afraid when she was angry at me. And the way she would show it was, Joshua Ivan, Marcel Lopez, get over here. And I would be like, oh gosh, what did I do today? (laughs) And I would come with fear and tremble in my heart because I was afraid of the repercussions that came. And Elijah ran with even more fear. He was so afraid. And so he didn't know what to do. And so he ran and ran and he came to a mountain. He went into the the mouth of a cave and he was trying to figure out how to navigate things. And so God came and said, hey, I'm here. Come out and I'll show my presence to you. And so in that moment came rain. It came fire, came an earthquake, came a huge wind. And none of that was the presence of God. But after that, right before everything ended, it says, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. A small, silent whisper. And that was the presence of God. In the Hebrew, what they were going for is basically, imagine silence making a sound. That is how small the whisper was. That is the presence of God. And what I gleaned from that is that at times we get so flooded by our emotions, by our fears, by our frustrations, by our personal things that are going on that we forget to look for God. And so we try to find him in these big miraculous things, in these fires, in these earthquakes, in these large storms and winds, but he's not there. He's in the tiny whispers. And so for us to learn what God wants for us, we have to lean in to the tiny whispers in our life. How is God whispering to you? What silence have you overlooked in your life today? Because God is always moving. And it's awesome that Gio was talking about youth camp and that incredible story about David, about how he was able to gain this victory of I have hope. That's amazing. I, I, I've got many stories from teen camp because I went to teen camp right before I went to the conference that were like, wow, I am astonished right now. How is God moving so powerfully? God is moving in so many ways. And I think one of the most powerful ways that God is moving in, in my life right now is in my sister and in my mom. Amen. So you guys have seen, uh, I've talked to most of you about the fact that uh, growing up, there was a lot of trauma that I had from my father and how things uh, happened. And because of that, my family was very dysfunctional in how we loved each other, how we would grow closer to each other, how we would function as a family. And so we tried to grow closer, but a lot of times we would hurt each other and then grow distant, right? And so because of that, my mom and my sister would tend to pull back and not try to attack the emotions and all the pain and hurt that they had inside of themselves. But this last year, they've been working on that. They've been attacking all of the incredibly traumatic situations that they've gone through. Um, Both uh, my mom and my sister have personally been raped. They've personally been molested. They have seen some things that by every right and intention, they should be damaged. 
They have a right to feel so much pain. They have a right to feel all these things. And yet they are trying to stand and say, no, I want to stand with God. I want to have hope for the future. I want to feel the love of God in my life. And I remember the moment that my mom came to me and was like, hey, so I wanted to talk to you about something that's going on in my life right now. And so she started talking to me. Um, She's never talked about her past a lot because it hurts a lot for her. So I tried to ask a lot, but she always rejected me. She sat me down and told me the whole story of the things that she's gone through. And by the end of that conversation, I was weeping because I saw how great the pain and the fear was in my mom. My mom has a hard time trusting people because she couldn't trust people for her entire life. The only people she could trust was myself, my sister, and my brother. And outside of that, that there was no one. She had a hard time trusting the people that baptized her because of these deep wounds that she had. And then she came to me and she said, I want to overcome this. I want to be able to talk to other people and pull them in and make them feel like they're normal, like they're wanted, like they're more than what they see themselves as. And to me, I was like, I've been praying for this for the past eight years. I've been praying for you to be able to to be able to come to God and just fall at his feet and say, God, help me. And that's where she is today. She is consistently fighting and it's not easy. It's not something that she's like, oh, wow, I can do this. It's a cakewalk. It's hard every time. But she is fighting to hear the gentle whispers of God in her life. In the moments when it's hardest. At times, we feel like we've met our end. And in this little mo- those, it's in those moments that God has more to say. So let's go down to verse 19 of uh, 1 Kings 19. So it says in verse 19, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Oh, sorry, not verse 19. I apologize. Uh, we're going to continue in verse 15. Um, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. And so we'll stop there. And... The reason I share that is because Elisha had met his end. He was done. He was like, God, I'm the last one. This is it. I need to cover myself. Otherwise, this is the end of your people. I can't do anymore. I'm done, God. And God said, you've got more. I'm not done with you yet. There's more that you can give. There's more that you can do. And so he gave him a task because in this moment, he was despairing. He was dying. He was depressed. He was like, how do I manage my life? What do I do? How do I function? And God gave him more and said, here we go. Let's do this together. There's more for you to do. He gave him a hope that he's not the only one, that if he dies, there's going to be more because Elisha would be taking over. 
Because he's, his, his legacy is going to continue with a man that he's going to train, with a disciple that he will have to be able to walk forward. God says to us, I'm not done with you yet. He's never done with us. He always has more for our future and for our lives. And so again, I ask, where is the gentle whisper? And so in verse 18, it continues, Yet I reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plying with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? And so let's start from verse 18. It says, yet I reserve 7,000 people. Earlier, Elijah said, I am the last one. There's no more for, for, for you to continue. There's no more for you to do anything. I'm it. Yet God was working behind the scenes and further than Elijah could even see. He was working so far that he had 7,000 other people. And that was the fruit of what Elijah was doing all the time. That entire time that Elijah was doing all these miracles and calling on God and doing all of these things, there was fruit that was being had, but Elijah couldn't see it because he was in it. He was in the battle. And isn't that how we are sometimes? We can be so in the heat of, oh, I'm trying to help this person. I'm trying to reach out to that person. I'm trying to get time with this person. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I need to do this at work. I need to do this for my kids. I need to do this for my wife, for my husband. I need to figure this out. And then we miss out on the fruit that God has around us. And we get stressed. But God is working all the time. God is always moving. When we don't see it, he's making 7,000 other people come to him. When we can't visualize it, he's working in ways that we can't even imagine in the gentle whispers around us. We need only listen. And further down, it talks about how Elijah came and he threw his cloak around Elisha. So for prophets, I, I, I was kind of confused what that meant and kind of what that, that looked like for them at that time. And for prophets, their cloak was everything for them. That was what kind of labeled them. Like, I am the prophet here. It's like a crown to a king. A cloak is to a prophet. And so what Elijah was doing to, by going to Elisha was saying, hey, this is you now. You have that responsibility to walk with God. You have the responsibility to continue the movement that God is trying to do. You have the responsibility to go and take care of those 7,000 people. And Elisha said, okay, let me say goodbye to my mom and my dad real quick. I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> right? And so he left and went and came back. And the, the story finishes where he literally burns everything. He gets rid of all of the, the riches that he had and goes to do that. Exactly that. And in a lot of ways, that's what Jesus did for us. See, in Matthew chapter 28, 
verses 18 through 20. Let's read that. He did the same thing, telling us, hey, it's your turn now. I started this movement. I got the ball rolling. I'm getting it going. Let's get this. Come on. It's going to be awesome. Let's see how we're going to move this forward. It's your turn. And so in verse 18 through 20, he says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus is passing on the mantle. He's passing on the cloak to each and every one of us to go and do exactly what he did. He didn't say, hey, all right, good luck. Be warm and well fed. See you later. No, he said, now it's your turn. It's your turn to lead others. It's your turn to take, take care of the world. There was a lesson that, was, that they, they did at team camp. And I, I love the message of it. And they were talking about the kingdom. That was kind of the theme of team camp, the kingdom. Um, it was by Rick Meckhamson. And one of the, the things that he spoke about was how a light can be so powerful. And so what he did was he turned off all of the lights and he grabbed a little piece of light and he threw it onto the crowd. And he did that probably like 10 times total. And when he looked around in the room, almost the entire room was illuminated just by these small, tiny little lights. And in essence, that is what we are. We are a light to the world. We can illuminate everything around us. All we need to do is lean into God. All we need to do is walk with him and be with God and he will move everything. That's what Jesus knew. And because of that, he spoke with authority and power. He spoke with more than we could even imagine. And so I want to call you guys to be someone worth following. Because if someone can't follow us, how can we bring people to Christ? We can't even imagine our, manage our own lives. So let us as a church, as a community, as a family, as brothers and sisters, let us be the family to everyone. Be the light to the world. And change everyone, one person at a time. Amen, church. Um, I wanted to... Uh, pray it out. Um, and then I believe that's the, the end of our service. So why don't we stand on up um, and we're going to go arm in arm and talk to our Lord, our King and our Savior. <laughs>